Hello, everybody. Happy Victory Week. I mean, the Miami Dolphins absolutely smothered Bill Belichick and the Patriots last Sunday. And who would have thought this would be the game where the running game would take off, not only for 100 rushing yards, but over 200, 250 to be exact. And everybody, please welcome Chip Turner, another staff writer and podcaster here at Finn Maniacs. Chip, how are you doing today, my my friend? Hey guys. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was a tremendous rushing attack that we saw, and I don't think anybody was more surprised than the Patriots. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I have an article coming out soon, too, so make sure you guys uh, look out for that as uh, I'll be doing a little bit of an anecdote and awesome. comparing the Dolphins' run game to something uh, pop cultural. And uh, speaking of pop culture, uh, Chip, I mean, you do fantastic work writing these well-written articles. They're so thoughtful, and they're so relatable to a normal football watcher, someone who doesn't even watch the Dolphins, but just general football itself. Well, we have we here at Finn Maniacs have some tremendous, tremendously insightful people that know statistics and schemes better than I could ever dream of. So I try to I try to contribute, make people smile a little bit about um, the Dolphins with some nostalgia pieces. I know, and it's stuff. it's so fun to read. It makes it makes the wins. And maybe even the losses, a little more enjoyable to read about what happened. <laughs> I, try not to write, I tend to write less when we lose. It's a little bit of draining, but yeah, I totally. <laughs> I mean, we haven't lost much, you know. Knock on wood. Thank God, we haven't lost that much, and we're right in the thick of the 2020 playoffs. I mean, think about it. From last year to now, who would have thunk it? You know. It's a, it's a tremendous testament to Brian Flores and the team that he's built because anyone that has watched this team play for any length of time understands very quickly that this is not fluky. This is not just random stuff. This isn't a Miami miracle type of victory that we saw against the Patriots. They just flat out beat them. They're out executing people. They're not beating themselves. And you, you win football games simply that way. And that's what they're doing. Speaking of beating themselves, I mean, it looked like in the first half, the Dolphins were just miscommunicating to each other. Like, that first Tua interception was just bad. Like, we did not like it at all. However, I did notice notice a tune change from our fans. Oh, man, we love our fans. From past years, we would be like, oh, my God, no, it's the end of the world. We're down six points. We're down seven points at halftime. We haven't scored anything. Nobody was freaking out. It didn't feel like desperation at all, did it? It felt like, and it's funny because uh, my my uh, we were out socially distancing and eating properly, you know, keeping six feet apart, uh, doing the responsible thing when we were out. Um, but the game was on TV, and there were two or three other Dolphins fans there. And I looked at them, and it felt like one of them said, this doesn't feel like they're losing. This just feels like the Patriots are getting lucky on this. They're getting the breaks because of the missed, uh, the Xavier Howard fumble return that got overturned because of the two interception, because of the missed field goal. 
the Patriots caught every conceivable break in that first half, and it did not feel like the Dolphins were setting up to lose that game. That game felt like an inevitability from the start of the second half in that first drive. And it did, because as you said, it's a testament to Brian Flores. And boy, I would love to be that fly on the wall (laughs) during that halftime speech, absolutely whipping his players' arse, telling them to stop giving the Patriots players opportunities. And let me not also, you know, do this little cliche thing, oh, it's a Belichickian thing, to, you know, scheme players, uh, look at their weaknesses, and absolutely feast on their weaknesses. But that's exactly what Brian Flores and the coaching staff did. I mean, coming into the game, the Patriots' run defense was actually not the best. We saw Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake absolutely torch them in the running game. We saw Cam Akers, a rookie, torch them as well in Los Angeles. And now... Uh, you have a rookie quarterback who scored twice running the ball, and you have an undrafted rookie running back who also scored and went for over 100 yards as well. I mean, the Dolphins knew what they were going to do coming into this game. Yeah, the Patriots seemed completely unable to set the edge versus the running game. Uh, they, they simply couldn't, and you watched that being played out. And once um, linebackers started stunting to the outside, that gave more riddle up, uh, room up the middle for Tua, which he exploited. And I like um, – he learned from his mistake in the first half with that throw. He re- I guarantee you he realized it. As soon as he made that throw and threw that pick, he thought to himself, I should have I should have just tucked this and run with it. So he didn't make that mistake twice, which was nice to see. And he hasn't made the same mistakes twice, which is a progression from previous quarterbacks we had. We talk about Jay Cutler. We talk about Ryan Tannehill. I mean – it's not only the player that's developing, it's also the coaching staff yeah. learning from the mistakes and developing the player in what they need to do. And I know you talk about schematically and setting the edge on those run pits and run grabs. This actually has to go to Miami's tight end room. Even though we were down Mike Jacecki, he wasn't there. And he's not primarily a blocking tight end. This was a game of trenches for Durham Smythe, for Adam Shaheen, and for core special teamers, Mac Hollins. I mean, Mac Hollins isn't necessarily a threat at wide receiver, but he's a great blocking wide receiver. Those blocks were key to those big runs, Saval, Savan Ahmed and Matt Breida, along with two of his touchdowns as well. Um, I read this stat earlier today that the Dolphins ran the football off of the left end or right end, as you said. The, the Patriots definitely were not keeping the edge. On those edges, a combined eight times Sunday, and those eight plays produce 75 rushing yards and three runs of 10 yards. And if we say that, I mean, that's almost, what, more than seven and a half yards per carry? Yep, on the edges, yep. Once they, once they lost contain, they had some major problems. It was nice to see. Um like, like, like we said to start the show, I don't think anybody saw this coming. Nobody saw this rushing attack coming because Miami hadn't been able to rush the ball, although they had done it mostly with inside runs and counters. Um, but once they realized, hey, New England can't set, the, can't, can't set the edge, they just exploited it. And they exploited it again and again and again. And that is a sort of thing. It's lovely to be on the winning side of that against New England because New England is, is famous for finding something that opposing defenses can't stop. 
and doing it to them. So it was lovely to be on the right side of it for once. Oh man, it was it was so awesome to see and the three rookies on the O line as well. Man, these three rookies are absolute maulers. I mean, they are tanks. They are ships. They're doing all the dirty work. Dirty work, and we hope Solomon Kinley is able to come back from his injury as well. Uh, Robert Hunt is doing a great job. I mean, the Dolphins absolutely hit this draft as well. And speaking for Tua as well, you know, he's learning from his mistakes. Another thing the Dolphins learned from their mistakes was the stance of Tua in his uh, in his pre-snap and post-snap uh, as well. I've seen that. I've seen that mentioned more than once, and I know you picked up on it quickly. Um, it's interesting to note that that has been not only seen by somebody else, but addressed in the coaching room. Uh, I, I am of the opinion that you picked up on that. I know you mentioned it once or twice. I saw it, and it's not there anymore. If it was a tell in which way the plays were running and what was going to be called that the defense uh, defense could key on, they don't have that anymore. That's been fixed. So that's if that is just that is a. I'm running out of adjectives to use when I'm trying just to talk about how encouraged I am with the development of the team. I know, and I have to say it again and again, man. This coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job. We didn't see it until after 2012 when Mike Sherman was the offensive coordinator and Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback. I don't know if you remember the infamous call tell to go and the go-go as well. Which let us know which was a passing play or which was a running play. And they changed that after the season, not within the season. Yeah. Being able to adapt stuff for your team during the season, and even more than that, during a game, these are professional coaches. You have to be able to pick up on what your opposition is doing. Uh, To not do it until after a season just doesn't make any sense and it speaks to a lack of continuity within an organization in my opinion i mean what i obviously have never been a professional head coach or gm so i don't know that for a fact but it certainly appears that from an organizational standpoint these things that you can fix if not within a single game but at least within a season and that's true and it looked like against the denver game that the dolphins defense was figured out specifically the amoeba defense i'm sorry but we haven't seen another offense figured out until after that denver game and it's been working like crazy i mean zach sealer christian wilkins raekwon davis jerome baker kyle van noy they're all getting to the quarterback in different ways agreed it's um Again, and I, I, I've got to keep coming back to this, but it's very similar to um, what the Patriots used to do, is their schemes confuse the heck out of, out of, out of very well-established offenses. And all of a sudden, you'd see these monster offenses. Kansas City two years ago had major issues against New England's secondary. The Rams in the Super Bowl couldn't do a thing. And you keep looking at these and going, where is this pressure coming from suddenly that these defenses had, or that these offenses had no problems with before? And why can't they figure out who to pass to schematically? It's because of the schemes that are being thrown at them, the zero blitzes at the proper time. 
the dime and quarter and even dollar defenses where they're running up, upward of eight defensive backs sometimes. It's, it's out of control what they're doing. Um, just simply to mess with opposing quarterbacks. And it's, it's again, here's another look for uh, need for an adjective, but it's wonderful to see. It is. And as a result of that, I mean, the Dolphins' defense is top in the NFL. Now, it's not in the top top categories of uh, yards per game or rushing defense, passing defense, those kind of things. It's more so top and more important in categories that matter and factor into wins. They're number one in defensive takeaways. They're number one in third down conversions. I believe the number is 32.3%, which is a league low. Yes. And they're number one in defensive points allowed per game. And the objective to win a game is for whoever, whichever team scores the most points wins the game. And yes. so far, the Dolphins are winning that. Yes. And it's, it is historically, then, but, but don't break defenses, are tremendously effective in, if they're executed properly, in point differentials. They do. Uh, the, the majority of their work from their own 35-yard line and in. Do you want to you get plenty of yards between your own 25 and the 50? Go ahead. You can have those yards. We're not going to get them every time. But what we're going to do is we're going to make sure you don't get the, the – with, with, with a few exceptions, you're not going to get the 75-yard bombs against this offense. You'll get them sometimes. But the majority of the time – they're going to clamp down where it's most important, where it's difficult for teams to score the touchdowns. You want to three? You want to score? Say you want to you want to score twelve points against us like the Patriots did, and get four field goals. You can have those, but this team will tighten down and clamp down almost every single time from their own thirty-five to forty-yard line, and it. And they absolutely will. I mean, I think the only two teams are the Dolphins and the Saints that have not allowed a touchdown within two to three games this season. And as you said, you can't describe, like, you can't come up with any more adjectives. Like, it is absolutely superb. It is so much fun to watch this team. And now, since we shipped from the Patriots game, we're shifting towards Saturday night's game in Las Vegas, where we have a matchup with John Gruden. Just win, baby. And that's exactly what the Dolphins need to do. Just win. Yep. They're getting healthy. And I think I am of the opinion that this is going to be a fairly long game for Las Vegas. Because if, if this past weekend was any indication, um, the Raiders, uh, one thing they can't get, the one thing they can't do at all is set the edge. And I know they replaced, uh, Paul Gunther with Rod Marinelli. Um, but Rod Marinelli doesn't particularly concern me as a defensive coordinator if he can't put pressure on the quarterback. He doesn't to me either, and we saw it in Dallas numerous amounts of time as well. If he And the other thing that the Raiders can't do is they can't put pressure on the quarterback. They're, I believe, either last or second to last in sacks on the year. And the other thing that they were having major issues with, one of the, one of the problems they were um, – Experiencing under Gunther, their, their, uh, their defensive coordinator who was let go about a week and a half ago, is that he was crashing his linebackers to the inside of the line 
and they couldn't maintain the edge. And running backs were running all over them to the, to the outside, which is exactly what they did last weekend, the Dolphins did. So I don't, unless something, I mean, it's the NFL. Any one team can beat any other team any given Sunday, as the Jets proved this last weekend, which was hilarious. Um, but I don't see it. I don't see this game being all that close. I know Vegas says otherwise, but I just don't see it as long as no huge mistakes are made, which the Dolphins haven't been doing, and they don't beat themselves, which they haven't been doing. I don't see it being all that close. Wow, that's a that's a pretty big, bold prediction, Chip, too. And I know we're going to be waiting for uh, later on in the week for the injury reports to come out for both the Dolphins and the Raiders as well. But we're going to be seeing a small matchup of former Dolphin and uh, Raekwon McMillian. He's a great run stopper, and, you know, we traded him away, and we got Lynn Bowden and uh, swapped picks as well. Lynn Bowden has really come on for the Dolphins as a possible number one slot receiver heading into next season. And I think he's going to get a little bit of a revenge game. And John Gruden said it earlier today in a press conference. I'm happy that Lynn Bowden is getting his chances in Miami because they have a depleted wide receiver room. Yes. I'm sorry, but even if it was de de depleted, he'd still be starting because now he's learning this offense. He's improving a lot. I don't know if uh, you guys caught the uh, the uh, conference uh, earlier today, but Chan Gailey has really cited improvements with Lynn Bowden a lot. And I think this will be Lynn Bowden's revenge game. Now, as for the running game, I think the Dolphins are going to try to do it one more time because, hey, schematically, if it's working for other teams against the Raiders and they can't stop it, they should be doing the same as well. Um, their defense is particularly not the best. I don't want to say abysmal because that's a bit too mean, right. but it's not good. I mean, Trayvon Mullen in that secondary is just not getting things done. And if Tua can read those coverages properly and get Lynn Bowden open, can get hopefully Mike Jacecki coming back from injury, hopefully Devontae Parker, Lynn Bowden, Malcolm Perry, Savan Ahmed, if they can get him open in the passing game in the middle of the field and taking those deep shots, I'm sorry. With his accuracy, it's going to be over. And as you said, it might not be a close game. Could possibly be a blowout. But hey, you never know. Yeah, I think this game at this point in time of the year is exceptionally important uh, for Tua because this this game, if he has his weapons that he had from the beginning of the year, if he gets Devontae Parker back, if he gets Gesicki back, um, and Lynn Bowden, as you mentioned, uh, and he gets time, I mean, he has he has gone up against some pretty ferocious pass defenses this year. If he has time to sit back there and work through his progressions without being, you know, thoroughly pressured, I think he will... I think this team could put up anywhere between 28 and 35 points without too much of an issue because specifically, as you mentioned, defensively, they're not great. And I know I watched what happened last weekend against the Chargers. The Raiders specifically tried to take away Keenan Allen the slot. And they did. Unfortunately, they had a, a rookie wide receiver who, who absolutely went off on him. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but he went, he, he 
I'm pretty sure caught for about a hundred yards versus them. So you're not going to take away multiple weapons on the Raiders side of the ball. Um, can you shut down Lynn Bowden? Probably. Um, but seeing as how um, John Gruden wanted him to work in out of a running back situation, I'm not entirely certain he has that much concern about Lynn Bowden. I think he might try to take away Devontae Parker, assuming Devontae Parker's healthy. And like you said, that could be a very good sign for Lynn Bowden. I know John Gruden is a great coach, not necessarily just because he's a household name. Sure. He learns about the technicalities of the game, not only for the offense, not only for the defense, but also even for special teams. And he learns different types of schemes every single game, and he implements that. Now, we know Josh Jacobs hasn't been particularly healthy, and the Raiders are all but locked in going to the playoffs. Like, there's no way they're going to be in. And if I'm Josh Jacobs heading into this game, a meaningless game for them for which they might not even qualify for the playoffs, where if I'm Josh Jacobs, I don't want to risk my health for this season, a serious injury or anything like that. I should probably sit this game out, you know, and be healthy for next season. I don't know that, that he would think that way. I, nothing I've seen from Josh Jacobs makes me think that he would do that as a natural competitor. Uh, the fact that he's not 100% healthy um, does put my mind more at ease, um, particularly with the development of the Dolphins' run defense, or run defense up the middle uh, with Raekwon Davis coming on nicely. Um, but I will say this. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he doesn't start because, again, I think that would put, put, put things even more, weight things even more heavily in the Dolphins' favor. That's true, and, you know, the Raiders are primarily a run-first team. I mean, that running game scares you, but the Dolphins haven't really allowed a 100-yard rusher this season except for maybe Kyler Murray and Cam Newton week one. I mean, that's about it. The only concern for me is who's going to be playing quarterback on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I will say that that gives me pause as well. I don't think it's going to be enough to um, overcome what the Dolphins bring, bring into Las Vegas. But I will say that a healthy Marcus Mariota and his ability to run concerns me more than a slightly banged up Derek Carr. Um, we'll see how that plays out as we move up toward the game. Um, but particularly with the, the talent that, and the the schemes that Miami is running uh, against the pass, yeah, Marcus Mariota would concern me a little bit more than David Carr. I know that sounds crazy because of what David Carr has done this season in Mar Marcus Mariota's history, um, but just the flukiness of a potential uh, Marcus Mariota running for, uh, say, 100 yards and scoring two touchdowns could concern me. And, you know, that is a concern coming up. But regardless, Josh Boyer did say that they'll be scouting all three quarterbacks on the Raiders roster. And that put me a little bit at ease because, hey, they know what they're doing. They know who, who they're going up against. And they're going to make sure that they do all they can to beat their opponent and win the game. And hopefully, you know, we hope the Dolphins win the game, along with the Browns losing, the Colts losing, the Steelers, the Steelers hopefully losing against the Bills. You know, we're talking about the playoffs here, and which is crazy. So hopefully, you know, we can get that playoff push through towards the end of the season. Chip, 
thank you so much, man. Um, I know we have a couple of podcasts coming up later on the week, Finn Maniacs listeners, and uh, we have a special guest coming on for Carter and Jorge's Finn Maniacs preview as well. So make sure to uh, stop by and listen on that podcast as well. And as always, guys, Finn's up. Fins up.